This is the Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode five. If life is hard, you are doing something right. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to episode five of the Sandwich Lynette podcast. I'm super excited you're here. As always, I can't wait to dive into this topic. It's a good one. I think it's really relevant. But first, I want to say again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. Thank you for leaving your ratings or reviews. That is what helps make this podcast grow. You are helping me to get the word out so that I can help more people, and I super appreciate it. So thank you. Please keep those ratings, reviews, shares coming. I really, really appreciate that. I have to tell you a funny story just as a side note before we get started. My brother-in-law, so my husband's brother, he was searching on Apple Podcasts for my podcast and he just searched for my name and he screenshotted what he found, which was a podcast with another Lynette Shepard, whose name is spelled just a little bit differently than mine, and she is the menopause goddess. If you find the menopause goddess, that is not me. Different Lynette Shepard, keep searching. <laughs> Let your friends know as well. All right, let's dive into today's topic. If life is hard, you are doing something right. Now, let me tell you kind of the premise for this topic and why I chose this topic. First of all, I was recently released as the Relief Society president in my ward. I was called to serve in that calling in March of 2020, just one week before all of the world shut down with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was just released in January of 2022. So my entire term of service was marked by a global pandemic and its associated challenges. Every week, except for that first couple of months where everything was shut down and people really weren't getting together with other people. But every week after that, I took one of my counselors and we went to visit one or two sisters in our ward, in their homes. And this was my absolute favorite part of that calling, hands down. I loved being in people's homes and visiting with them and meeting them where they were. And as I did that week after week, one theme quickly emerged. Nearly everyone was struggling with something, often big things. So a lot of people were struggling with big things. Some people were struggling with smaller things, but nobody was immune from the challenges of the world in commotion where we live. And it didn't matter what their level of faith was, what their level of conversion was, what their level of commitment to the gospel was. Everyone was struggling with hard things. And I've been thinking about that for like two years, right? Since I, since I served this, this world that we live in that is so hard and everyone's struggling and we just live in challenging times. There's no way around that. And with that, there will be days when every one of us feel like the world's collapsing at our feet and darkness is closing in on us at an alarming speed. 
We may wonder how we will ever see the light of day again. Bonus points for those of you who can tell me what musical I pulled that line from. In times like these, we would do well to consider these words from Boyd K. Packer. It was meant to be that life would be a challenge. To suffer some anxiety, some depression, some disappointment, even some failure is normal. Teach our members that if they have a good, miserable day once in a while, or several in a row, to stand steady and face them, things will straighten out. There is great purpose in our struggle in life. Close quote. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And this year, Easter had a more personal meaning for me because just a few weeks ago, we lost my nine-year-old nephew for no apparent reason. He just did not wake up one morning, and we still don't know why. They are still waiting from the re- for the results of that autopsy, and it was just, there was no warning at all. He went to bed totally healthy and never woke up. And being with my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law and their family as they navigated the intense grief of this unexpected loss was absolutely heart-wrenching. One of the hardest things I have ever had to watch. And with this experience fresh in my mind, Easter this year was truly a symbol of hope. Because the Savior overcame the bonds of death, we can have faith in the reality of life with our loved ones beyond the grave. And through that lens, as I studied the events leading up to the crucifixion and ultimate resurrection of the Savior this year, one idea repeatedly surfaced in my mind. And it was this, the Savior suffered more than I can ever imagine. He even asked the Father to remove the burden, remove the suffering, if it were possible. But when the pain and the suffering continued, he accepted the Father's will and pressed forward until he overcame all, until his work was finished. And I have been thinking, am I greater than he? If I want to be like the Savior, And to be with the Savior again someday, can I expect to live without a measure of suffering and pain? Or must I too bear a portion of the cross? Sometimes I think we mistakenly believe that if we have enough faith, God will remove painful obstacles from our paths. And that could be true. He has the power to remove those obstacles. And sometimes he does work miracles. And sometimes that miracle may look like healing in all forms. It may look like ending suffering. But the father did not remove the Savior's burden. Even though his suffering was incomprehensible to all of us, he had to feel the entire weight of our burdens for the atonement to be complete. And so the father could not intervene. He also did not remove the burdens from Joseph Smith and the other men who were with him in Liberty Jail. Even as Joseph cried out to the Lord in Doctrine and Covenants section 121 verse 1, O God, where art thou, and where is the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? The Lord offers Joseph words of comfort, but no deliverance. He did not get him out of jail. He did not stop the suffering of him and his associates in that jail. He did not stop the suffering of the saints who were navigating intense persecution without him there. He just said, My son, peace be unto thy soul, thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. 
words of comfort, no deliverance. We may know a little bit about the circumstances of Liberty Jail, but let me refresh your memory a little bit about what happened there and what the circumstances were leading up to that event, because I think this is relevant. It's relevant to the challenges and and the struggles that we face in our lives today. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland gave a whole talk about this. It's called Lessons from Liberty Jail. It's a BYU talk, and I'm going to link it in the show notes because it is so, so good. So good. I would encourage all of you to go read it, but I'm going to read his description of the events that happened surrounding Liberty Jail. He says, Problems of various kinds had been building ever since the Prophet Joseph had received a revelation in July of 1831 designating Missouri as the place consecrated for the gathering of the saints and the building up of the city of Zion. By October of 1838, all-out war seemed inevitable between Mormon and non-Mormon forces confronting each other over these issues. After being driven from several of the counties in the western part of that state and under the presumption they had been invited to discuss ways of diffusing the the volatile situation that had developed, five leaders of the church, including the Prophet Joseph, marching under a flag of truce, approached the camp of the Missouri militia near the small settlement of Far West, located in Caldwell County. As it turned out, the flag of truce was meaningless, and the church leaders were immediately put in chains and placed under heavy guard. The morning after this arrest, two more Latter-day Saint leaders, including the Prophet's brother Hiram, were taken prisoner, making a total of seven in captivity. Injustice swiftly moved forward toward potential tragedy when a military court convened by officers of that militia ordered that Joseph Smith and the other six prisoners all be taken to the public square at Far West and shot. To his eternal credit, Brigadier General Alexander Donovan, an officer in the Missouri forces, boldly and courageously refused to carry out this inhumane, unjustifiable order. In a daring stand that could have brought him his own court-martial, he cried out against the commanding officer, It is cold-blooded murder. I will not obey your order, and if you execute Execute these men, I will hold you responsible before an earthly tribunal, so help me God. In showing such courage and integrity, Donovan not only saved the lives of these seven men, but endeared himself forever to Latter-day Saints in every generation. Their execution adverted, these seven church leaders were marched on foot from far west to Independence, then from Independence to Richmond. Parley Pre-Pratt was remanded to nearby Davies County for trial there, and the other six prisoners, including Joseph and Hiram, were sent to Liberty, the county seat of neighboring Clay County, to await trial there the next spring. They arrived in Liberty on December 1st, 1838, just as winter was coming on. Close quote. Aren't those circumstances rather fascinating to see all of these injustices that had occurred even just getting those men to Liberty Jail, let alone what happened when they got there. It was the coldest winter on record in Missouri history. The prisoners were placed in a dungeon. The height of the ceiling was about six feet, and so some of the men, including the Prophet Joseph, could not stand without hunching over. They didn't have enough blankets to keep them warm. They couldn't have fires because it produced intolerable smoke. 
the food was filthy and contaminated, and on as many as four occasions, they were given poison in their food, making them violently ill. The prophet Joseph described the jail as being, quote, hell surrounded with demons, where we were compelled to hear nothing but blasphemous oaths and a witness, a scene of blasphemy and drunkenness and hypocrisy and debaucheries of every description, close quote. Meanwhile, as I mentioned before, the saints were continuing to endure intense persecution, and the prophet was powerless to intervene to do anything because he himself was locked up. Everyone was suffering. And yet, the Lord told Joseph that this experience would be for his good. How could such an experience be for his good? Where was the justice in all of that? Where was the redemption in all of that? When dedicating the Liberty Jail Visitor Center in 1963, Joseph Fielding Smith, grandson of the incarcerated Hiram and grandnephew of the Prophet Joseph, said this, As I have read the history of those days, the days that went before and days that came after, I have reached the conclusion that the hardships, the persecution, the almost universal opposition toward the church at that time were necessary. At any rate, they became school teachers to our people. They helped to make them strong, close quote. Interesting. They helped to make them strong. Is that relevant in our lives as well? Joseph Smith wrote Doctrine and Covenants section 121 through 123 after having been incarcerated in Liberty Jail for nearly four months. These sections speak of agony. They speak of hope and they speak of Jesus Christ. They prove that the Lord does not abandon us in our moments of greatest need. When we call out, he is there, reminding us of the bigger picture. All these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good, is what he tells Joseph in Doctrine and Covenants section 122 verse 7. He was there, even though Joseph did not feel him, even though Joseph cried out, Where art thou? Where are you in all of this? Heavenly Father, why have you abandoned us in our moment of need? We may feel abandoned, as did Joseph, but he will never leave us. The Lord will never leave us alone, unless that is what we want. He will not force himself into our lives. We have to invite him in. We have to open that door. We have to choose to allow him to be part of our story to be part of our suffering, to be there with us as we suffer, to help us, to help take on some of that burden. These sections, again, 121 through 123, they remind us that living righteously does not mean we will be exempt from suffering. They remind us that we are not greater than the Son of Man who has descended below them all. They remind us that in the midst of suffering, we can have sacred, tender experiences with the Lord. We will all have our liberty jail moments. We will all come face to face with suffering that is not our fault, that does not seem fair, and that will bring us to the depths of sorrow and pain. We are in the final inning before the Savior comes again, and we know what that means. We know that hard things are happening. We know that hard things will continue to happen, and we look forward to the Savior's return, but sometimes I think all of us fall victim to this sometimes. We can't wait for the Savior to come, but we don't want the challenges. 
We want life to be easy. We want things to be straightforward. We want to see our difficult questions resolved. We want to see how it all will end, how all the pieces will fit together. We may wonder why the Savior asks us to experience such intense trials. Sometimes it feels like this is too much to ask of me. It's too hard. It's too confusing. It's too painful. Why can't he take this challenge away? And this is part of being human. These are normal human thoughts and emotions. But what if our challenges, whatever they are for each of us, they are different. What if they are part of the cross that we must personally bear? What if they were meant to be our school teachers? What if they are meant to refine us, to strengthen us, to give us empathy, and to point us to the Savior? Are we greater than He? I don't think we are. I don't think we are greater than He. So if He felt the pain and suffering of the entire human family, and God was not able to remove that cup from Him, can we endure a portion of that pain while we learn to truly, wholly, completely rely on him. Life was not meant to be easy, my friends. Without opposition, we would not grow. We would not become the people the Lord needs us to be. With a life of ease, we would not learn to rely on the merits and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He has not forgotten you or me in our hour of need. He walks with us, he mourns with us, he strengthens us, but he also has our growth in mind. He has in mind what he needs us to become and knows what it is that we need to experience to get to that point. He needs us to develop resilience. And the only way to do that is to overcome hard things. My daughter is currently a freshman at BYU. And we are in finals week right now. At the time of this recording, it is finals week. And this last month has been a huge, huge challenge for her. She has been sick for about a constant month. She gets one thing and then gets over it and then gets something else and then gets over it and then gets something else and then get something else. Like it has literally been back-to-back illnesses for an entire month. And after the third, I think it was the third one, the third illness, she had just caught the stomach flu after having overcome the flu and bronchitis and other things. She got the stomach flu and she was miserable. And she, of course, was calling me and texting me and mom, like, why is this happening? Why can't I catch a break? And I'm just like, hang in there, (laughs) hang in there. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. I felt like I was just, I was constantly coaching. And then she texts me a couple days later after finally getting better from the stomach flu. And it was like 1130 PM. And she said, mom, you will never believe, but my computer is not responding. This is finals week. I have papers to write. I have things to do, and this computer is not responding. It, no buttons will press. I can't do anything but turn it off and on. I've tried that five times. It's not helping. What should I do? And in my mind, I am thinking, oh my goodness, can we not give this girl a break? 
She just, she is having a hard time here. I felt like she was on the verge of breaking. We can't have her computer broken too. I was just pleading with Heavenly Father, please just help her get through this. Give her a break, please. And as a parent, I'm just kind of thinking, I wish I could go and just take away some of these trials. I wish I could make it so that she's not constantly getting sick. I wish I could go and fix her computer. She's trying to get on a mission. She has a mission call. She's leaving in a few weeks. Why all the challenges? Why is everything going wrong? Why is this, according to her, the worst month of her life? Can we just give her a break? (laughs) And I, you know, as parents, sometimes we feel that way. We want to go and smooth the path for our kids and we want to take away their challenges and we want to make things just a little bit easier for them. But we also know that it is in challenge that they learn to overcome. It is in challenge that they learn empathy for people who are struggling. It is in challenge that they will become the refined and strong leaders and people that we want them to be. And if we go in and take those things away, they won't learn. They won't learn how to be resilient. As, as tempting as it is to go and smooth and remove challenges and make things better, that's not the way for them to grow. And I think as sometimes as parents, we struggle with this. But also, deep down, we understand. We look back at our lives and we think, those hard things that I experienced and that I overcame made me who I am. I would not be who I am without those hard things that I experienced when I was a teenager, when I was in college, when I was, you know, in these volatile days of learning and growth. I had to experience those challenges or I wouldn't be where I am now. But sometimes, even knowing that, We, as adults, want the challenges to go away. We want them to be removed because they are not fun. They stretch us in uncomfortable ways to uncomfortable levels. And we would rather not have to navigate them. That is how everybody feels about trials, right? But then we look back and we think, I would not be who I am without that I would not be able to help this person who has crossed my path without knowing what they're going through. I wouldn't have that empathy. I wouldn't be able to lift and strengthen and coach and help all of these other people because I've been there or I've been in a similar place and I know what it feels like to struggle. These struggles are for our good, even though at the time we cannot see it. So if you're in the middle of a trial, think back. Think back to other things you've overcome. Remember that your track record for overcoming is 100% so far, and it will remain that if you continue to press forward. In his April 2014 general conference talk entitled Spiritual Whirlwinds, Elder Neil L. Anderson taught, 
He said, in nature, trees that grow up in a windy environment become stronger. As winds whip around, a young sapling forces inside the tree do two things. First, they stimulate the roots to grow faster and spread further. Second, the forces in the tree start creating cell structures that actually make the trunk and branches thicker and more flexible to the pressures of the wind. These stronger roots and branches protect the tree from winds that are sure to return. Close quote. The winds in the world are blowing stronger than ever. And as we navigate these winds of adversity by turning to Jesus Christ and gaining strength from him, our roots grow deeper and wider. Our figurative trunks and branches get thicker and more flexible. This is how we become strong. This is how we develop resilient faith. We are here to be tried, to be proven, to be tested. This is all part of the test. So don't hyperventilate when life is hard, when trials seem to last for an extended period of time, or when you have sincere questions about faith that seem to have no acceptable answers. You are in good company, my friend. The best the world has ever known have spent time in Liberty Jail, just as you are now. So I echo the words that Joseph Smith penned to the saints while in the depths of that horrific prison. Let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. All things will work together for our benefit, for our good, if we believe, if we stay true, and if we stand with him. So let's stay faithful, let's stay true, and together, let's stand. All right, my friends, your shine challenge for this week is to read Doctrine and Covenants section, sections 121 through 123. These are the sections from Liberty Jail. And in your journal, after you read those, those chapters or sections, write down one thing that you learn from those sections that will help you as you navigate trials and challenges in your life. Okay, sections 121 through 123, and write down something that speaks to you, something that will help you as you navigate challenges in your life. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here. Go out, be resilient, stand strong in your faith, no matter what comes. You can do this, the winds are strong, but you're stronger, you're more flexible, your roots are deeper and wider. Let's do this. See you back here next time. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.